Greetings and welcome to all of our podcast listeners. Whether you're coming at us from Dimension Door or Shield Bash feeds, this is Jason, a player of Tam Westcrown and Audiomancer of Shield Bash. I'm here with James. Uh, I really should ask this. Is it Schwartz? Schwartz. Schwartz. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. I imagine that was a lot of jokes in the nerd community for you. Uh, it was. It was great growing up with that. You know, everyone's like, oh, may the Schwartz be with you. And then I have to explain to them, well, it's, at, it's spelled slightly different. You know, that Schwartz is Schwartz with the T, which is typically a Jewish heritage. And Schwartz without the T uh, translates straight into Germanic, uh, which is black. So, yeah. And then they'd be like, oh, OK. And I'm like, yeah, you didn't need to know that. It's just a fun fact for you yeah space balls cool yeah yogurt yeah. all right let's go yeah I mean, my last name was uh my last name is is still leonard and so i i got to have all of the leonardo teenage mutant ninja turtle stuff so oh. it's uh you know your, yours yours gets to last a little longer into your adult life it does yeah especially you know mel gibson so yeah, yeah. And, and, and cult classic like that. I don't know. I, I think that like in the grand scheme of things, uh, TMNT is going to outlive Spaceballs. Probably. I mean, they do keep remaking it, but yeah, with, with all yeah. the revivals and it's hip with the the kids and uh, word. Yeah. word word to the yeah. word to the kids. Yes, out there. <laughs> but <laughs> anyway, uh, so again, I'm Jason. I'm joined by James from the Dimension Door podcast. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about Dimension Door, James? Yeah, uh, so Dimension Door is a Pathfinder actual play podcast, and we're playing through Paizo's Reign of Winter campaign. Um, it's wonderful. We had uh, a nice start, and then uh, once you hit episode 10, uh, our audio editor, Zach, he's an award-winning audio editor. He's a professional musician. He actually started doing full uh, orchestral compositions uh, for us. So now we're running with full custom audio that's really beautiful and wonderful. We're playing uh, with my wonderful wife, uh, Zach, his wife, and then uh, my cousin David. And it's a rowdy group of fun. We have a lot of great greatness and wonder and it's a blast. It's a giant fucking blast. And it's one of two podcasts uh, in your, guys's, oh, uh, gosh, in your yeah, family, right. too. Yeah, so we, we just launched our uh, second podcast, which is another actual play podcast uh, for Paizo's, um, I want to say Severed Fate, because that's the name of the show, uh, Carrion Crown, the, the horror adventure path that uh, Paizo put out. So that one's actually being run by one of the players in the standard show, Amanda, uh, and she is running it for Zach, and then we're joined by two new cast members, uh, Nick Thunder and Madison Rogers. Only three players. Yeah, it, it's a three-player party. Um, the the gimmick for that one, I shouldn't say gimmick. The lead-in for that one is that they are all half siblings, um, mm. and half of them they all come from the same father, who is a vampire. So they're all half like vampire, uh, and then they're also bards. So they're using the gestalt rule. So <laughs> every level they get, they get a level in bard, and then they get a level in whatever else they want to do. So that, that has a lot of moving parts. Uh, that one's excep exceptionally cool, too, because we got um, permission from a local band here in Arizona uh, called Adavant. And the best way to describe them is uh, Viking Metal. So uh, they provide all of the music for the battle tracks, and it's super uh, thematic and kind of grungy feeling. Uh, it's it's wonderful. It's absolutely wonderful. It sounds fantastic. I haven't personally had a chance to 
get into that one yet. It's on my long list of about the, the two never, podcasts that yeah, I'm the trying never to, ending to get in. list of podcasts that you want to listen to and catch up on, which is always expanding always yeah. expanding like i i was a purist for a while i was like yeah i'm gonna listen to you know every single episode and give it my full undivided attention and now i'm like okay i i'm gonna go and i'm gonna do a bunch of photo editing and i'm gonna listen to this show and i'm gonna listen to it at 1.5 times speed and just like consume it <laughs> <laughs> Which is like, oh, and I've, I've stepped away from like the purity of it, right? Like the, oh, this is going to get my full undivided attention. I'm like, no, I'm going to, I'm going to consume everything. And that's still a worthy way to listen to shows, right? We all have our different reasons for why we listen. And mine is to uh, meet new people, discover new shows and try and support them how I can. Yeah. I personally, I, I almost can never give undivided attention to any one thing. I usually am working or playing video games while I'm doing podcasts because I just I, I can't just sit and listen. I have to have to do something else. Yeah, I'm I am the exact same way. I am working in, you know, twelve different projects at once. So like having a podcast on in the background is awesome. I spend a lot of time driving around for my day job, so it's just oh, yeah. constant feed. And uh, for your guys' feed in the Dimension Door who don't know who we are, uh, Shield Bash is an actual play. We are doing Serpent's Skull. And um, the way we tend to describe ourselves is six assholes and a guy named Will. And um, <laughs> don't let your kids listen. There you go. So that's, that, yeah, I mean, like, yeah. Yeah, kids probably shouldn't listen to ours either. Um, I mean, it's not too too bad we're like pg-13 with some r-rated gore yeah we are definitely an nc-17 <laughs> that's uh and we make no apologies for it but uh we will be i obviously will not be going too off the rails here in this episode uh that being said today uh is the introduction james you are the first i don't know if you're aware that you are the absolute first for this new uh, experiment we're trying where we are going to be doing conversations on a meta level topic. Yes, and, I'm excited. And James has chosen collaborative storytelling between the DM and players. Yes. Yes, it's a very, obviously it's a very integral part of the game because it's a storytelling game. If you just wanted combat simulation, you'd be playing Warhammer. But here... You're playing a storytelling game, and every group obviously is a little different in the level of storytelling versus combat versus other things as to what your table likes to have. But one of the biggest things for, for me as a DM and as a player is that a PC is sacrosanct. No DM can ever tell a player, in my opinion, what that character is feeling, what they do, what they should do. Um, you can alter the things around them, but you can't mess with them. You have to work with them and what they, and obviously they then also have to work with you to make sure that their character fits. And I've had some really bizarre backstories. I've had some that I've had people come in with really awesome characters that have zero backstory. David, uh, you're not David, sorry. I'm not David. No, we have no, a David. That's, <laughs> yes, James, sorry. Yeah, that's all right. <laughs> what is the, in your opinion, 
the first thing that you think of when it comes to collaborative storytelling? Uh, on, <laughs> when it comes to collaborative story, I think that the most important thing to foster with collaborative storytelling is like get rid of the hostility. Like this isn't a game that is about like whoever is running the game, right? The the game master. It's not them versus the players, which is just so toxic to a table, I think. Like I am not competing to like kill off characters and the characters aren't like competing to, you know, best me and like trick me into like saying something and being like, oh well you said it, so it's true. It, it's it's collaborative storytelling is literally like collaborative. You you have to work together. And that's really getting rid of kind of like the animosity, uh the competition of the game of trying to beat each other and really just like not viewing each other as adversaries, but viewing each other as like literal storytellers, right? Where we're building a story together. And in order to do that uh, I'm not gonna go out of my way to kill you. Like, I'm not gonna devise this way. I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna kill him this time. Like, I might come up with scenarios and situations where, uh, yeah, it's if there's a chance for death here. But I don't think I've ever like gone through with something that's like, okay, this is gonna be the death box. Like, I'm gonna throw everything I can. I want to kill someone tonight. I like, I I love death. I love tragedy in storytelling but i don't like going out of my way for it because if i go out of my way if i push it it doesn't feel natural and yeah, that doesn't... Death has to mean something kind of kind of i love that i love it when deaths are big and heroic but on the flip side of that like i love it when deaths are meaningless <laughs> as as fucked up as that is i love a really morose meaningless death in a campaign because I think the entire time we're playing, we're really walking the line between, you know, fantasy and reality. There's a lot of like, the term is like a bleed over, right? We have a lot of our own emotions and we put them in the game. And for me, one of the things that I like to try and help my players explore is the idea of obviously loss. Like when you lose a character, right, that's a that's a huge blow, especially when it's your first character. I've done a lot of games for like first time players and I always get really nervous the first time they die because a lot of times like after that first one, like they spent so much time working on him and then it's just gone and they're like, I don't, I don't want to do this anymore, but I, I've never had a player quit after a death, which is good. They've always come back and they're like, yeah, the first one was hard, but like, I understand it now. And it's like, I understand why the death had to happen. Like it builds into the meaning of the world, but having a meaningless, meaningless death, I think is very reminiscent of reality, right? That It sucks, but death is a thing in our own lives. And a lot of times when it happens, it's not big and heroic and it didn't happen for like some greater glory. It just happened. Yeah. And that's kind of where I think a lot of people delve into like dark places because they want to find the meaning behind the death and find the reason why it happened. But sometimes there isn't. Sometimes bad things just happen and we have to figure out how to move forward. And that's something that I love. I love a meaningless death in a game because if it doesn't happen in a heroic way, it really just binds the party together, right? Anyone that's left, they are bound together by that tragedy and it often opens up a lot of windows into people's emotions and you get a lot better like 
crosstalk with players and their characters and like everyone's comforting everybody the characters in game are comforting each other the players at the table are comforting each other it, it's beautiful it's fucking beautiful <laughs> and i i love tragedy i love tragedy so much because of that like i'm all for like having jokes and fun at the table and like yeah let's let's like grind this tower and solve the puzzle but i love it i love it when there's like an epic failure a total tragic moment because as much as tabletop games are like an escape i still like them to mirror reality and bad shit happens and tragedy happens in real life and i love it when it's mirrored in game because it is also a controllable environment right like bad stuff happens in game but we're all sitting at the table we're safe like we are able to kind of pause time talk everything through I think it makes a safe space to start exploring these feelings of loss and grief at the table, which is great. And you can't do that if you're not working together. Because if you do have that kind of animosity at the table and somebody dies, it's fires are lit. You know, the competition's on. I'm going to kill your monsters and how dare you kill me and I'm going to stick it to you, which isn't that's not natural. I don't I don't you don't like go and stick it to the. When your goldfish dies, you, you mourn it at five years old, and you realize that life doesn't last forever, and and you figure out how to move on. Did I answer the question? Was there a question in there somewhere? <laughs> no, there was, and uh, you you have done an A plus plus job where you answered the question, and then uh, a few others, I think. Oh, so, good. Yeah. yeah. I, I ramble sometimes. Feel free to interrupt me. Uh, I love thinking about this stuff. Like, I mean, that's part of the reason why I chose it, right? It's definitely a, a passion of mine is having this friendliness at the table, having that environment, and then just fucking ourselves with it. I know. The, the group I started gaming with uh, well over 10 years ago now, there was that, that concept. And I... I it never reached the point where I felt it was toxic. I mean, yeah. we're still all still gaming together, but it was always like, you know, hey, make a save. Uh, what against? Uh, it's a will save. Okay, but what against? Well, just make a will save. I'm like, okay, well, I've got bonuses to like five things. Give me an answer. You know, yeah. where it was like everybody was trying to hide what they were doing because yeah. they... And I, it took me years to realize, like, this is kind of a shitty way to play. Yeah, like we, we, We need to need to fix this so like i i personally have tried real hard to like give that information it's like okay make a will save against the transmutation effect yeah you know and you know um somebody over here is casting a spell make a reflex save you know and yeah. things like that and it's just i've also found it just makes the game not only is it a little more fun but it just goes faster too yeah. <laughs> to yeah, not have does. to like pick at each other all the time yeah and that's that especially like nowadays where like we're we're stuck at home we're playing online like nobody wants to sit at their desk you know in their pajamas and listen to two people bicker about what rules or what like come on let's go let's play it let's play the game let's uh let's just resolve this and move forward because like long term like is that one save going to you know with the bonuses and you hiding that bonus how long are you going to hide that bonus for how long are you going to hide what kind of spell that was for? You know, it's like it's so short sighted to try and fool each other at the table when the thing you can do, you know, to counteract that is to 
kind of have this this open dialogue like a lot of times um i'll be running things and you know our parties will be trying to figure out how to infiltrate a fortress or something and they're always looking for that perfect solution right the thing that's not going to get them caught the thing that's going to let them bypass the monsters and not alert everybody and yeah, where they spent the party spends 20 minutes talking about you know a solution yeah, and you're yeah. the game are bashing your head like just please try something yeah yeah analysis paralysis is what my one of my players coined and i love that it is because players get like stuck in their heads and they're trying to find a way so like when they're doing that one of the things i've found that helps break out of that you know those 20 minute jam sessions of just going in circles and picking all the problems in every plan is actually like voicing my thoughts as the dm like if something comes up i'd be like yeah that could work like i don't i i never have the perfect solution right i never have the perfect plan for them that they oh they need to figure it out and then they can do it no like i love them coming up with things and like i will adapt so the I love having a living world. That's kind of one of the things that a lot of my players like um, that I've kind of coined the term of a living world. Uh, I make decisions for what is going to happen in the world and kind of when, and I have like set timelines. And so every choice they make, I try and like mentally adapt for it moving forward. So like if they come up with a plan that's like, oh, well, we're going to do this and this. And if it's going into an area I haven't planned before, I'm like, okay. So given my crazy ass world state, what are they likely to encounter? And that's always so much fun. Yeah. It's so much fun coming up I, with different ways to just throw like little things in their way um, that make sense, right? Not trying to stop them, but make the plan seem reasonable and like the world and like the choice was there all along and somehow they came across the right one because, you know, they, they had to do these different checks to get there and they encountered a, a thing. And a lot of times they're like, oh, man, tell us more about that section. I'm like, no, I made that up. <laughs> I made that shit up. You guys had this plan and I didn't want to stop you. I was like, yeah, go for it. Let's let's weigh it. So you are far nicer about that than I am. Uh, when my players get stuck, I, I have the philosophy of in walks the man with the gun. Yeah. Yeah, that's... Yep. In the worst case scenarios, yeah, you aggro the party and you force them to make a decision. That is, that is, it's a good tactic, honestly. Like, there's certain instances where they're still, like, after I say, like, yeah, you could do this or you could do this. Yeah. They still spend 20 minutes like, oh, no, we should do that because of this. And they're like, well, actually because of this. And then I'm like, all right. Time's you up. guys, time's up. Yeah, because, like, how much of this discussion is meta and how much of this discussion is your players, like, the characters? having this discussion and there's so much bleed over in that time like especially if they're like dropping in and out of character voices you know and at a certain point yeah you guys say like you guys have been talking like this for like at least five minutes above like loud temperature here's a here's a guy keep going let's go and it is that's like one of the things that you have to do as a game master you have to figure out the ways to break players out of that paralytic state because I fucking hate that paralytic state. I've yeah. played in games where we get into analysis paralysis and I just check out and I am thousand yard stare waiting for someone to like concede and say, yeah, you're right. We should do your plan. And I just, oh, that kills it. That kills the game for me. That kills all the fun. And I hate it. I, I love coming up with crazy ass plans, but I don't like going back and forth on whether or not it could work given the millions of possibilities in the game yeah no i my record and the story i like to tell is i was running a society 
scenario called Fragments of Antiquity, and there's a collapsing bridge, spoiler alert, Ooh. and it's in the first, like, 15 minutes of the scenario, or it should be. Uh, we were an hour into the four-hour block, and I was like, guys, it's a freaking bridge. Like, you've come up with, like, 12 plans. Try one of them. Yeah. Please. We only have three hours left. Go. Yeah. You've got a whole... whole th- oh, man, I was about to tear my hair out with those guys, but... We have completely wandered off of our, our yeah. Sorry, our topic feel again. free no, to redirect it, me at any time. It is. This is. I hey, I will sit and listen. Uh, I love, like I said, this is my major passion. I love talking about this. But the thing that I want to kind of redirect us back onto the the beginning part of any collaborative storytelling in any campaign is before you even start the game with character backstories. Yes, character you know? backstories. And for me, the most important part of a character backstory is why. Yeah. That's... You know, why are they there? Why are they adventuring? Why are they doing this thing in whatever campaign you're running? And why are they willing to risk their lives to continue doing the thing? Yeah. It's almost like you've identified that the most important part about a character is motivation. <laughs> Which it is. It really yeah. is. Because once you figure out like your character's motivation, you're going to know how to play them. You're going to know when to not make the smart decision and make the in-character decision. That's super flavorful and really fleshes out your character. Like I, I love playing stupid characters. I love <laughs> playing low-wisdom low characters. Because <laughs> me, James, super heavy into the lore of Pathfinder and Galarian. I've read a bunch of like parts of AP so I know tons of spoilers I love playing stupid and even better than that I love it when I fail a check and just make shit up that is definitely (laughs) wrong my character thinks it's right though and it's just it's a fun red herring that other players can give each other right and that's kind of like stoking the fuels of fun at the table is really like I think having one player that is making those decisions to like nerf their character in some way or behave a certain way. The ones that have really hardlined their motivation, like you came up with, right? The, that really important thing to flesh out your character. The one, like having one great player that's good at that is the most nurturing thing for other players at the table, in my opinion. As long um, as they are willing to, again, collaborate and, yes. you know, work with that especially like when you get false information we like in our in shield bash we are basically 120 years of combined experience of gaming right mm-hmm. so a lot of them know like hey if you say that skeleton is actually you know the dr is bypassed by piercing everybody at that table knows that's not true but if they're willing to work together and say well this is the information we have yeah. let's go stab it yep and not, you know, just walk past it or like, oh yeah, no, the mayor of this town is definitely a vampire because the guy who makes all of our checks totally said that. Yeah. And we don't know that he bombed the role, so yeah, yeah, that guy's a vampire. As opposed to just being like, well, that's clearly not true and moving on. You know, yeah. and having that that team moment. Yeah, you do, and it is. And that's the part that kind of feeds back into the collaboration you have to all be working together and be on the same page. 
Because if there's people that are working on like a meta level against like what the narrative is, like what the like the player the characters should know and how they should be acting, if you have somebody on the meta level, that that's not fine. That's giving your your character like godlike premonitions of the universe. That's not realistic. Are you kidding me? Uh, the one of the things I run into with a lot of backstories is that a lot of players confuse the what with the why. You know, mm, yeah. The, they they come with a what they want, and I'm like, yeah, but like, why are they doing this? Well, because of this. I'm like, no, no, that's what they want. Why do they want it? Yeah. What's one of the main obstacles you run? Uh, you tend to run into with backstories. Ah, people are too big for their britches. <laughs> You mean they, that they, level one character who the level one two character wars? that fought in two wars and has this this pact with this demon and you know they're out to save the world and that's that's not level one. No. <laughs> look in any campaign setting. Look at any of the NPCs. Nobody has that kind of story, and they are all higher level than you. Yeah. Um, and that that I've I had to do that so many times where I'm like, oh, cool. Walk backward four steps. Tone this down. And it's just like, I know that's what you want your character to be. But that is a character that has gone through a story. Like an actual campaign that has been tried and true. Yeah. And has like this metal and they're already a badass. You're not there yet. You're, you're you know, your little level one warrior with a wooden training sword. Go figure that out and come up with a story for that. And that's a big thing that I've seen happen. But it's also something that I completely understand. Like, I get that they want to have that kind of fleshed outness because coming to the table with a really nice fleshed out character and having all those like past experiences helps you make further decisions. But having that level one starting cap for like who your character is is kind of messed up, I think. I think that's something that personally, very personally, probably very controversially, I think campaigns are wrong at starting most parties off at level one because when all of these situations happen in towns, um, like wherever the starting adventure is, right? Some kind of bad thing happens and the party has to come together and go and fix the thing. Why are all of these towns and groups getting together these level one people with absolutely no real world experience to go and solve the important thing? Yeah. And that doesn't make sense to me. When I listened to um, uh, to uh, Dimension Door, I actually was a couple episodes in. I'm like, are these guys level three? They are. Yeah, I started everybody at level three for for Dimension Door because it makes sense to me. You have spoiler alert. <clears throat> this is all episode one spoilers, so not real spoiler alert. You have a noble woman that's been kidnapped. You have a supernatural pocket of winter and. There's just this small town full of, like, farmers and hunters, and let's send out a bunch of level ones to go and save the extremely important noble who's been kidnapped. <laughs> Why? That's understandable. It, oh, totally understandable. Looking through the, you know, the, the back of the book and looking at all of the NPCs that are like level four and five and seven. Nah, they got better shit to do, like run their store and chop wood. How dare the mayor ask them for help? 
and, and in anything you run out of uh, Sandpoint, you're going to run into the same thing because for <laughs> all that Sandpoint's a small town. There's like, well, there's two bookstores run by level five retired wizards and yeah. two alchemist shops run by you know. It's like the whole to, place to have... is retired adventurers. Yeah, like why not send one of them out to solve this problem instead of sending out these these greens like green kids. That are probably going to die. Like, that part in my brain, I haven't found a reason to make it work yet. Yeah. Like, I'm sure there's adventure paths out there that are more specific to that and why they do that, which is cool. But for, like, for Reign of Winter, it didn't make sense for me. Yeah. And, and that's why I started everybody off at level three. I did a couple other, like, meta level reasons for it. But that was the biggest one. Yeah. Serpent Skull, I will say, makes a little more sense because it's like your characters are shipwrecked. Yeah, yeah. It's you like see, you're not chosen. Like you're just you're just you're, you're thrust into the situation. Yeah, and that makes more sense to me. Like yeah. situations like that where you like you're isolated, where you have to, not because you've been chosen or have volunteered for some crazy ass reason, but because you are thrust into like it, it's like that that saying about like some people are born great, some achieve greatness, and some of greatness thrust upon them. It, it's like that. You have greatness thrust upon you because you have to do it, right? You don't have a choice in that matter. But for like for a lot of these games, it's like you have a choice. Why did you all make the worst choice sending the least experienced people out to solve the problem? Like that broke my mind so many times when I saw it. Now, my own devil's advocate, I will never, ever, ever start a party off higher than level one if there are new players in the game. That's fair. If you have if you have never played like Pathfinder before, I will never ask you to make a character above first level. Because that is horrific. <laughs> like any yeah. kind of new system, if your first character is gonna be multi-leveled. Oh my god. I would feel so fucked. I would feel absolutely fucked. Whenever I'd introduce new players back in the day, I was okay, you're gonna play at first level human warrior. That's it, like it's that that's what you're playing. Like Yeah. You know, you get a couple sessions in, you can switch, but like let's start with human fighter because it's the easiest thing. Yeah. Yeah, I'm yeah. That's that's a very good thing. We had a, a recent discussion going on on our Discord. Uh, one of our listeners was like, "Hey, I'm I'm never played Pathfinder, but I'm making a Pathfinder character for this game. What would you guys recommend? I want to kind of be a magic person." And I was like, "Okay, cool. Don't be a druid. Don't be a druid. Whatever you do, do not be a druid." Um, and so it, th I think there are very like introductory classes, right, for each of them. So like. Magic-wise, if you want to learn the magic rules will like really well, but not be overwhelmed, I think you should pick a sorcerer. Like you don't have to worry about you know spell prepping every morning. You just pick the spells. You aren't overwhelmed with options like clerics. Like you don't get your whole spell list and have to just digest it. Yeah. It's incremental buildup, and you get to learn like the rules for like um, focuses for components. You know, um, casting times and casting ranges. Times, and yeah, ranges. Um, all of that stuff, like you, you get to learn that incrementally as you go, which is important. And yeah. I think that it, new players who want to get into gaming, fucking do it. Make sure you have a cool ass GM. And I, one of the things I do with my players is like for the first couple levels, especially if they're new, I will be just reminding them about game mechanics. Like, oh, well, you could charge this person if you wanted to. Or, you know, I see where you moved, but if you move over here, you're going to give this person flanking. And I think a lot of that is, like, meta knowledge that some players just 
don't have and they don't remember, but like their character probably would. And yeah. I think it's oh, like that's kind of where we like I give like it's like offering someone like breadcrumbs. It's not breadcrumbs. Offering them a, a, a gift of shows amicable. You're being nice to amicable. them. Yeah, I'm being nice to them. Yeah, I'm being nice to them. <laughs> I'm like, hey, you should. I I am telling you this, and yeah, it's going to probably be worse for the monsters you guys are fighting. But like, it, I never want people to not make a decision for their character when. I have meta knowledge about like mechanics and stuff because if they had that meta knowledge about mechanics and stuff, they could probably make a better informed decision. And I'm all about informed decisions. Yeah, you, you know it ties all the way back into you shouldn't hide things from people. No, you shouldn't. Yeah, you, you shouldn't. Just yeah, it, keep it, it out goes, there. Yeah, keep it out there. Be open. Be honest with each other, and like help each other out like even i've had players that like because like once you once you ex extend that like that nicety like chances are players are going to give it in return they'll be like oh man that creature could like do this and this and like shove me off the edge and i'm like yeah they could you're right i'm gonna have to do that and they're like i understand <laughs> which is like it's a big ask but just having that like two-way communication open where it's like I want the world to make sense and I want everything to make a decision like based on the information it has. And when you start like hardwalling people on based on meta information, I had this idea of like this mechanic and everything like that. There are so many rules, right? I don't know all the rules of Pathfinder. <laughs> There's too many. And yeah. I like reminding people about like the way certain mechanics work or like little strategies about like action economy, especially is huge. You mean like, the, the core of the game? Action economy? Yeah, yeah, the core of the game. <laughs> if you like the, the core of the game is even complicated, but like if you aren't making decisions like based on like good knowledge of the core of the game, like I don't care if someone is playing like a level three fighter and they're brand new to the game, and you have, like, a veteran with, like, 20 years under the belt playing a level 1 fighter, that level 1 fighter is going to be played smarter and better than the level 3 fighter. Like, if we look at that, like, in-world, right? If you have that level 1 fighter that can, like, run circles strategically around the level 3 fighter, that doesn't make a lot of sense. And so really helping each other out at the table kind of evens that out, right? Because if everyone had the same meta knowledge, the level three fighter would beat the shit out of the level one fighter. Oh, yeah. And so it is. It, it's that kind of you need to be able to, like, be nice to each other at the table and remind each other about mechanics and rules and, like, accept that, like, yeah, it's going to be good for you and it's going to be bad for you. But at the end of the day, it's all about making the informed decisions that are going to, like, let us have a great, awesome game. Have you ever had it gone particularly bad? Like, if you ever had one player that is just, even when you're trying to help them, they just make it worse? Yes. Yes, I have. I have kicked them out of my game. <laughs> I, okay. I, I hate it right i hate the the sticklers that are like so adamant and against like collaborative storytelling and then get caught up in the wargaming aspect of ttrpgs which there's a time and a place for wargaming i get it that's not the game i'm trying to play 
And I think that's something to make really clear when you're trying to form a gaming group is you need to make sure that everyone is on the same page with how they want to play the game. Because Setting expectations is always very important. Yeah, because if you have one person at the table that's min-maxing everything, you know, they're just going to be clearing encounters because everybody else at the table is like, oh, we're in it for the role-playing, and we have these cool, flavorful characters. And so if you have, if you have one person in the party that has gone through the trouble of making the most overpowered character they possibly can you run into an almost insurmountable roadblock where you reach combat mechanics and it's either they're going to clear the combats every single time, no problem, and that can't be a narrative device anymore, or your combats are going to be so complicated and involve around killing one player that all of the other players can easily be wiped in the process. Yeah. And then that that player with the the min max feels targeted. Exactly. Yeah. And encounter design is is a can be very a complicated. It yeah. is a and, monster. And then when you have that lack of balance in the party, it just that's why. I look, personally, I'm a big fan of session zero. Session zero. Is, session zero is so important. Yeah. I, the, I, the GM gets to set the expectations of what they want from the players the players can set the expectations from they want from the GM, the campaign is discussed and like the players I find can generally balance themselves and each other based on that session zero conversation of like okay well because when I first started I would I didn't want people to discuss what they were playing, I just wanted them to play whatever they wanted so they were happy with their characters and then when I ended up with two wizards, a sorcerer, and a witch, and a rogue, and a cleric, and I'm like, wow, this party's hosed. Yeah, they're uh, because, fucked. Yeah. Uh, it was like, okay, we're going to discuss characters from now on. Like, that was yeah. my turning point of like, okay, you guys, like, we need to work together. Everybody can still play what they want. You know, we'll make sure everybody's going to be happy, but you need, like, we need to this is a team game what the hell was i thinking let's build a team yeah yeah that party composition is big um that it is very big and i think having the session zero like as soon as possible is important like i've had i've had this problem before with certain games where you know someone will be like hey do you want to play in this game and be like yeah sure and they're like cool here's the player guide I'm like, no, because by the time we all come together to discuss it at the session zero, most people already have their characters like the idea of who they want and maybe it's already built and that's bad. <laughs> that's yeah. very, very bad because you're you're not working together from the start. And at a certain point, I kind of get it. Like I want people to play what they want to play and have a good time. Um, so like a lot of new games I start up for new players, I will have I will tell them I'll be like, hey play what character you want here's kind of the rules let me know if you need help building it and then we'll have a sit down and we'll talk about it and then a lot of times what i'll do is i'll get one of my like veteran players from another game and i'll be like hey you want to come play an npc for a while and i'll be like sure and i just like here's the role that needs to be filled we're just trying to get these these fledglings you know up and going a bit um but a lot of times for the new parties if they all want to like play spellcasters i'll be like okay you guys can all play spellcasters. And I'm going to try, I'm going to try my damnedest to teach them how to take encounters properly. 
Because if you're playing a bunch of spellcasters, don't go kicking down the fucking door. There's a story I heard a long time ago of uh, this guy who was in he was him and his one friend that had played for a while. He was going to DM, and he had four new players. And they did, like a session zero, a pre-campaign session, and yet they all decided, all four of the new players, to play wizards. Oh, God. Despite his insistence. So his one veteran friend was like, okay, well, he played a uh, an elven archer. And this was back when elves could see in the dark, right? Uh-huh. And they were all, all four newbies were humans, and the first adventure had him cave diving. And this is one of those stories that was just like, well, I'm not sure what the hell they were thinking, but the the veteran friend basically he you know was holding the lamp, the lantern, and when everybody got into this tight corridor, he just smashed the lantern and said, "Rule number one: if you can't see in the dark, carry your own light source," and left him there to die. Oh fuck! Yeah, <laughs> that's like, a horror he, story. Well, that that's that's a dick move, is what it, it is. is a dick like move. you know, you might as well just say like, "No, rebuild your characters," because this is not a like you guys will die on your own but yeah and that's that that's the kind of thing that i hate like fuck that guy so they spent all of this time building their characters we're all sitting down we're having fun and then you just like flip them the bird and be like peace guys know all that work you did and i know i could have said something to stop it from happening but i thought i would punish you for making an uninformed decision (laughs) why some for some people they think it's fun. I don't personally get it, but I don't either. And that's that's sad. Like that's one of those situations where if I was a new player, I might not ever want to play again if yeah. that was my first experience. Oh yeah. Which is come on, like be inclusive. Like don't punish people for wanting to play the game when they don't know the game. Like teach them yeah. to play the game. Like, give them some leeway. Like, that that's the other thing I do. Like, even with my veteran players. Like, you can have your character on paper. It could look great. You could think it's going to play a certain way. And then you start to play the character. And maybe you have the motivation start to come out during session. And maybe some of the things you picked for that character don't make sense with the way you're playing them. Or maybe you don't like, you know, your archetype as much as you thought you would. I always have a three-session rule. Like, even for the podcast. Um, if you have a new character and play three sessions with it make whatever changes you want like i get it i get that you will not know the character and how it feels and how it plays until you have time to kind of suss it out so like that's that's something i do i let players make changes like first three sessions of a new character like if you think you need to adjust your stats or skills like go for it i do something similar with uh with that where when they level up the first time, I'm like, okay, you're about to level up. If you, like, new character, if you hate it, you got a feat that you're never using or whatever, this is the time to change it. Yeah, I, I've, I've done the same thing before, too. Uh, especially, like, long, long-form games and everything. Someone will come up to me and they'll be, like, level 8. And they'll be like, hey, I took this feat at level 2. I've never used it. Uh, can I swap this out for something so I can, like, get this feat? And I'll be like... Yeah, sure. Why not? Because, like, even in the Pathfinder rules, there's retraining. Yeah. And it's like, all right, so, sure, yeah, you haven't used it. There have been, like, two months in-game. If you haven't used that feat for two months, it's very easy to say that you've just been retraining it this whole time. Yeah. 
Like there, there are in game ways that you can kind of magically explain away and make the universe work to fit the situation, which has its place. Like it, the whole thing, right? You, you want to be so hardline on one way to tell a story. Like you want it to be organic. You want it to be true to the scenario, and, and you want it like everything to make sense. But sometimes when the things make sense, it's not fun at the table. And sometimes when things make sense, it blocks you out from making certain decisions. And that's where you need to make concessions, right? You need to be able to have that flexibility to let go of this like pure idea of what the game should be. And you need to like flex it. And you need to say, okay, this would be better for everyone if we did it this way. Or yeah, you're right. That's a good idea. That's a good point. Let's do this so, like, people's feelings aren't, like, super crushed or people are offended or... There, there's so many different ways. Like, you need, a, you need to play... Fast and loose isn't the right word, but, like, don't be a dick. Like, that's what it comes down to, I think. Like, don't be an asshole at my gaming table, and I won't be an asshole. And honestly, if that's your mindset, things are probably going to work out. Yeah. One of the one of the games I'm running is Kingmaker. And oh, oh, the infamous Kingmaker. One of the, the I'm I'm going with the the option where every, between every book is a D20 in years. Yeah. And I think it was the start of book 3, we essentially had a whole new party um, because so many years had passed, well, most of them retired and what have you. And I took this new party of like level fives or sixes and pit them against an enemy that there is no way they could take down without fatalities. Yeah. And in that fight, I killed three players and I knew I was going to kill players. Yeah. And some of them were rather upset, but I had planned for it with squirrels of true resurrection in there because this was a, Hey, this is your new party. Let's see how you guys function with dealing with things that you can't handle. Like, let's see how far you can push. Yeah. But the players obviously didn't know that was going to happen. And they were nonetheless surprised and a little salty that the character they spent two weeks building died. Yeah. Um, You know, obviously all, all was forgiven once they realized they were coming right back. But what, how much do you like to surprise the people at your player, especially long-term campaigns like the podcast? Yeah, that's a great question. And that's a good scenario. Um, that's, I, I like narrative hooks. I love those situations that kind of pop up and catch everyone by surprise. Um, I, I think that throwing them like an exceptionally deadly enemy is great. Um, but for me, I try and just catch them off guard, right? Blindside them completely with some kind of big twist or a narrative hook or like this big reveal of some kind of someone's history. Um, I've never gone for the kill box method. I think that it's fucking great. Like there's definitely scenarios that I can think of where it's like, yep, someone's going to die. Like, and I think that one of the things I do, which I don't know if this is, like, a good practice or not, is, like, when we're about to go into, like, a big battle or something, like, kind of, like, to iterate, like, what's on the line, 
right? Like, there's there's fights I'll we'll go into, and I'm like, now remember, guys, this is the boss. This is the big bad that you guys have been looking for. And then I like I pause to let them process that, and then I just follow it up by smacking him in the face and saying, some of you have a very strong possibility of dying. I've never done that as like the start of a book or with a new party though, which is that's really interesting. Um, that's really interesting. Well, thank you. Like it, it's it's oddly brilliant, right? <laughs> because it is playing on that like you need to trust me and I'll trust you sort of like two way street, but that's also like it's a little fucked up. But it pays off in the end. But during it, like, there's some salt. There's going to be some salt. And it oh, yeah. is a little bit fucked up. But like having that light at the end of the tunnel is kind of okay. Like I think if I were going to throw people into that kind of meat grinder right off the bat, I'd be like, hey, heads up. gonna be, It's going to be rough out the gate. And like, not really explain it past that, but kind of let them anticipate some shittiness. <laughs> Um, but I don't know. That's such a unique scenario, and I think it really is, like, a player-by-player basis of how the people at the table are going to handle it. I I will agree that your narrative blindsides are a lot more interesting, where it's, you know, the, oh, yeah, you know, this guy's actually your brother. Yeah. That you didn't know you had. Yeah, like, I will always remember those more than I remember, like, the big battles and the epic moments. I'll always remember those things where, like, oh, I thought I knew everything about my character's past. It's my character. You're right. You thought you know everything your character knew. And what they knew was fucking wrong. And then you're just like, ah! My my wife has a story uh, from one of her old sessions that she played where this character was like they were like level 10 or something and they had like their whole backstory planned out and they've been playing for years and then the dm's like by the way you were brainwashed and none of what you remember is true and this is who you really are and who your real family is and the look of like horror and shock and he was like but but it's on my sheet like it's i don't know if i would have been happy or pissed i don't know either And, like, that's where the gold is, right? Like, because there's these wonderful situations where we have all of these strong moments together as, like, GMs and players. And we're having a great time. And we're doing great stuff. And I think at a certain point, having that mentality at the table gives you the leeway to fuck with them. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, like, if you have that built trust between you, like, having a really fucked up moment like that fucking huge like that's memorable but if you're just throwing them fucked up moment after fucked up moment you you you're gonna get numb to it you're gonna expect it and it's not gonna be fun anymore it's not gonna be meaningful and there has to be meaning right there there needs to be a reason for why everything in the universe is happening like because that's how you know physics and making choices works one thing leads to another thing and like and I know I said earlier that like a meaningless death, like something still caused the death and the death itself has meaning in that. Like, even if it's like this freak scenario and but, they will derive meaning from it and they will derive meaning from it. Exactly. But like, I don't like to make things happen just to make them happen. I like to have a reason for why it's happening. And that kind of like 
it works for the story because when you try something kind of fucked up like that and you can't explain why it happened and you have that like circle of trust at the table most of the time i think players are going to understand like why it happened and why you did it the the expression i like is it's a big world there's a lot going on in it you don't know most of it yeah that yeah and and that's that's yeah and i think that's uh, one of the things too that like session zero is for and like what i say when i'm like yeah take your character that's great i love it take two steps back though like maybe maybe you haven't talked directly to a god maybe you you <laughs> haven't had direct divine intervention from a being from another plane uh, uh, let's let's take two steps back yeah maybe you're not maybe maybe you're not royalty you know yeah. let's 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 take those epics let, let's break you down a little bit and let's let's tell that story because i don't yeah. want to tell the story about like you know the the justice league saves the cat from the tree i want to tell the story about little little bobby the three-year-old that built a ladder out of sporks to climb the tree and, and save the cat that's a yeah. much more interesting story with yeah, like you the same objective you don't get to play Buffy. You have to play Xander and Giles and, yes. you know, Cordelia yes. and all of them. Because, yeah. you know, if if everybody's Buffy, then Buffy's not special. And if only one person's Buffy, then nobody else matters. Yeah. And that's, that's where Session Zero comes into play, right? Yeah. I don't want any one of my players to be more important than another. And so I think having those kind of narrative hooks, like... I like to find like one or two things in a character's backstory that are meaningful to them and that I can play with during the game. Because if like one person has like 20 things to pull on, one, you can't incorporate all of them. Like that's impossible. But they also will have so many things going on that make them so much more important than the other players that it turns into like an RPG as opposed to an MMO. Yeah. And that's something that I really like to think about when I'm doing like games is like this isn't this isn't a one person game, right? This is everybody playing at once and everybody here is as important as the next person. Sharing the spotlight and all that. Yeah, sharing the spotlight, giving characters and like people time to shine, like coming up with these like different scenarios where like, yeah, maybe you throw in this one thing that is like, this person is going to kick ass at this and everyone is going to appreciate them more for this. And you're going to grow together as a party and you're going to fucking love each other by the end of this game. <laughs> How much do you tend to talk to your players about that ahead of time? Or do you just like to be like, well, uh, I'm going to do this with your backstory or how much of it is, I'm actively doing this with your backstory and you you know you find about it in the session. When I I tell people, I tell players that like give me whatever backstory you want to come up with. I will tell you if I like I need to make changes to it or things don't matter, like things don't matter. That's a bad way to say that. I will tell you if there are things in there that need to change given the world that is happening. Yeah. Right. If if they if they come up with it's happened a couple times where they'll like give me this big long backstory. I'm like, cool. Let's change this, this, and this. And a lot of that too is like foresight for the campaign, right? Because like if they're like, oh well, I I have you know three younger siblings and they do this, this, and this, and I'm like, oh cool. And then I look in the story and I'm like, oh actually, it would be a lot 
more convenient narratively if I could bring one of these siblings into the story here. So maybe they have this slightly different profession or backstory or personality to make it fit into the game. And they people are pretty good about making concessions in their backstories. And then there's other times where like they give me all the information. I'm like, okay, cool. You're good with this? And they're like, yeah, I'm great with this. And they'll give me like some really vague shit. <laughs> and I'm like, perfect. And then I fuck with them on it. Like, that's where I get the twist. Because it's one of those things, like, they think they know their story so well. And then you're like, hey, that's your backstory. I did this, by the way. And they're like, oh, my God. That's fucked up. I love it. And I'm like, yeah! It's great. So, like, I love it when players give me backstory. And I do tweak stuff in it from time to time. But a lot of times I, like... I give them a heads up. Like, I tell them, I'm like, hey, I don't think that this and this works given the world we have. What if we did this? And I try yeah. and, like, have that conversation. Like, I, whenever I want to make a change, I talk to them about it. I don't just tell them because th that's kind of the collaborative part. Like, give me, give me some, take some, and I'll work with you too. And let's work on this together because I don't want to just, like, shoehorn you into a position that you don't want to be. Because, like, maybe this change that I'm trying to make is so important to your character's backstory that maybe I'm not seeing. Right? Yeah. How much of it, though, do you do, like, like when I say um, you're you're doing doing things with their backstory, I mean, like, in the game. Like, you know, hey, here's that brother that you mentioned. Here he is in the game. And he just walks in in the middle of the session. And how much are you be like, hey, your brother's coming in this game. Make sure you, you know, be prepared for that. I fuck with people. Um, okay. I will. I will ask. <laughs> the them. joys like, of DMing. It's the joys of DMing. Like I'll read through like the whole book and like maybe a little bit of the next book. Like I don't like to get too far ahead of myself because of this like living world idea going on in my head. If like by the time they finish the first book, they've made these really drastic decisions that the adventure path didn't plan on them making. I'm gonna. Have oh to no! Yeah. They always plan for everything in these adventures. Oh yeah, yeah. everything's pre-written. You never have to go off book. No. <laughs> so, like, I, I read through, like, the first book. And then I'll be like, okay. And then I come up with, like, these different situations. And I see these points. And I'm like, hey, tell me more about this. Like, what do you think your characters? And that's one of the things I love to do. I love to give my players homework. I love to give them these little questions that I'm like, I'm going to get this information from you. And you're not going to see it coming. Like, what's your favorite food? Oh, there's a cursed feast that actually has your favorite food. And, like... Six months. Oh, like it, it's those things, right? You're planting the seeds in your players' brains, and you're tricking them into thinking they're giving you superfluous information. And you're like asking them questions about like their siblings and how did their sibling relationships affect them as people, and like what character aspects do they have, and like what was their relationship with their father like? And you're just like plucking in all of these things, right? Because they're relevant. They're relevant to the character, and they're relevant as to who they are. And a lot of times, like maybe players didn't think about that and so having it be this fun homework time right everyone's come together we're learning about each other meta wise but a lot of times too i found that those little decisions we make are easy threads to pull on later but they're also easy threads for the characters to pull on themselves players will make their characters talk to each other about these things they'll find little ways to reintroduce this meta knowledge into the actual narrative so the players and the characters can be closer to each other, right? The characters can now be friends because the players knew this about the other character. Uh, uh. 
one of the uh, the nice things for the that I have found for the mechanics side of that, the real nitpicky parts, is there's a website, miniworld.com. They've got a list of the 100 most important things to know about your character, and they dive into everything from who are your parents and, like, how do you feel about them? What do they do to favorite yeah. foods to heroes and, you know, you know, what is your biggest fear to, you know, what color are your eyes? Yeah. All of that stuff just gets just picked apart and... I don't personally go through every single question for every single character, but it, you know, I like to read through it and make those little decisions as I'm like, well, that's, that's a thing. What, what would they do on a Saturday night if they didn't have anything else to adventure? You know? Right. And and that's another thing that can like really start to bring things out in characters is like Saturday nights. Like what does your character do in downtime? Yeah. How the fuck do they relax? They just, they just fucking, they just fucking killed like 20 goblins. That's stressful. I don't yeah. care what level you are. That's fucking nuts. Oh man. That, one of the, one of the questions I love that like really gets people fucked up is talking about the first time they killed a sentient creature. Mm. And like, how did they deal with that morally? And uh, it's really interesting because like having that question like after like a first big battle or something and everyone's like yeah we had so much fun and then asking that at the the top of the game is like tell me about your characters the first time your character had to kill someone that is like and sometimes like the characters like actually this is this would be the first time i'm like great play that out for me and it's (laughs) it's fucked up it's a bit fucked up but like it's the realism of the game I, yeah, it's like it's the super villain. Yeah. Let's go deeper into that. Let tell me about your inner workings of your tragedy and trauma. But and that's kind of where I get into my games a bit deeper. I love having fun with games, but I think that if your characters get like too kill happy, if they are just like, yeah, let's go, let's get the loot the body and like let's capture this guy and let's you know kill him and everything, you can get caught up in that as like you're winning and bringing it back down to earth and like really throwing you in the moment i will fuck with you so hard on like people begging for their lives and like breaking out in tears and vomiting if they see gore and if like you guys are getting too combat happy i will describe viscerally how exactly you killed that creature because it's that mind shock right it's that little bit of mind fuck that brings you into the moment and you're like you're right, this is really fucked up, what's happening. Like, it's gruesome, it's nasty, it's bad. And it, that really slows people down. And I think it gets them more into the moment and into the story about what's happening. And it lets their characters react more naturally to how a real person would react. Because we're in such, like, a culture nowadays of, like, video games and, like, running through stuff like that. Like, it's easy to have that bleed over with like a video game mentality and a war gaming mentality into your RPGs because they do, they share a lot of similar elements and there is an aspect of war gaming to RPGs, but it's really bringing it into a mindset of like, how, how are you reacting to this? You know, it's, it's acting essentially it's, it's all yes. improv and you want to be reacting, not acting. Uh, one of the things I like to do is every couple sessions, I'll just start off with like, okay, We've been going through a lot. What is your? What are each of your characters thinking? Like, where's your headspace at right now? Yes. Like, what? What's going on inside? Because one of my groups, they they really do just want that you know Greyhawk experience. Kill the monsters, take the loot, go home. Yeah. And you know that's that's what they want. It's fine. It's great. We'll run for that. But 
you know, they don't really role play with each other. So mm-hmm. having that conversation really helps build up their characters as well. Like not just to each other, but I think a lot even for themselves because they stop and go, well, what is my character thinking right now? Like, because I've just been thinking like, which spell do I use next? But like, I just, you know, went through three floors of a tower and after marching all day and my guys probably should be fucking exhausted. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of where we get into this uh, other idea of role playing, like especially for a podcast. Uh, when one of my players, David, was like, hey, I'm going to play this kind of like mysterious stranger, like silent type, really kind of broody. And I'm like, cool, let's do that. He doesn't talk a lot, which isn't great for an audio medium. But one of the things we did is I'm like, when we start to like characters start to talk to each other and we talk about what's going on, describe what your character looks like, kind of describe their thought pattern and their process. And so he has probably a lot more exposition about what he's doing than he has lines, but it works because you internal monologue. Internal monologue is wonderful for games. And it's a really good way, like, I think everyone should do an internal monologue. Like, my character's kind of thinking about this and this, and this is why they're going to do that. And, like, other than, like, my character's going to open the door. It's like, my character is, like, he's feeling kind of rushed. You know, he isn't, he's nervous. Like, all of this stuff is happening. He just wants to get into the next space. And so, yeah, he isn't going to search for traps. He's just going to open the door and go in. And that's so much better than saying, I open the door. Yeah, no, I agree. Especially with an audio medium like I mean, at the at the basis, podcasts are for entertainment. Yeah. We play for ourselves, but at the same time, we're recording it for an audience. So having yeah. that, it also helps you build um, and think about what your character's doing yourself. Because yeah, you know, I as much as I will oftentimes just think, well, I'm doing it because of this. I I struggle to give voice to the reason because it's just not a habit that I have. Probably yeah. something I should work on. Yeah, and I think I think that's another thing to point out. Like playing RPGs, recording podcasts, it's all a process. Like you're you're gonna know things now you didn't know a year ago. Like in any aspect of the game or the production, like it's constantly evolving, and you're constantly changing with it. And you know what? That's fine. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. How long are we gonna go? Well, uh, I was gonna. I was thinking for about an hour. Okay, um, cool. which we've we've uh, to we're an hour and six minutes here. We've covered all the topics. I didn't even have to bring some of these up. You went through all of topic two uh, all by yourself. I did, so, didn't I? Yeah, yeah. I, which is I mean, fantastic. everything kind of it all feeds together. You know, oh, yeah. it's all a nebulous jumble that like one thing leads to another and it all kind of interacts together in this beautiful fucking machine that pretty much covered do you have any closing thoughts on collaborative storytelling yes closing thoughts on collaborative storytelling do it fucking do it like make make concessions at the table be friendly to each other work together to tell the story because i guarantee you that's going to be more fun than trying to work against each other like there's going to be less frustration it's going to be more fun the story is going to be way more interesting and when you do those big kind of fucked up things, they're going to be accepted. And everyone's going to love each other at the end of it anyway. I think that's... That, there you go. Yeah, be nice to each other so you can fuck each other up. All right, I'm done. That's good general life advice, too. Just it's don't good general life advice. Yeah, no, but, like, yeah, be nice at the table. Like, work together to tell stories because, like, 
I'm not going to think of everything as like the guide for the story. I'm not going to come up with everything. Like I want to I want to hear what you guys are going to come up with because like if I'm going to, you know, maybe I only have the color blue in my paint palette. Maybe you have like red. Cool ass painting for like blue, I guess, but like get some red in there. That's fucking great. I didn't think of that at all. Work together, be open to ideas, don't be a dick. My closing thoughts will be that uh just I'll, I'll play the devil's advocate on this and say Make sure that that you know, both sides of the screen are working together because sometimes the DM has a has a story point that can't be changed. That's true, and yeah. you have to accept that. Yeah. And the DM, you need to be willing to change most of your other plot points that can be changed, or at least slightly. You know, maybe you know if you've only got the blue and you don't want it, it can't be red. Maybe it can be a little purplish. Yeah, just, like it's, just get, make a little, little bit in there, like make it work. They're, they're, nothing's set in stone, except for some things which are set in stone, in which case change the color of the paint it or something. I don't know. Yeah. There's some sort of deep metaphor in here that I think we're skirting around. So, listener, whatever metaphor that you're coming up with, that's it. Yes. And if you're colorblind, um, sorry, Pete. <laughs> I'm sorry, too, Pete. All right. Well, James, thank you very, very much for coming and talking to me. Well, coming, you know, being there at, I presume, your own home to talk yeah, to me yeah, in my home. out in my own home, talking to you in your home. And it, it, this was wonderful. Let me know when you want to do this again. We'll come up with another talk at a topic and I'll just word vomit on you again. Oh, yeah. No, that'll be that'll be great. We are. I'm hoping to hear from um, Jason Ellis from the What Do You Do podcast. If you're not. Oh, familiar. my God. Yes. Yes, he is. He was kind of the the original motivation because he does so much for so many people so that much. I wanted to to get him. Like, hey, everybody who doesn't know who this is, this is who this is. Everyone, everyone needs to know who Jason is. He does an amazing job. I have found so many great shows because of it. More specifically, I have found a Pathfinder community within the podcast realm because of him. Oh, He's yeah. doing amazing work. Listen to what he has to say. Hi, Jason. You're great. We love you. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we, we're hoping to hear from the Crack Die podcast. And uh, Ooh, that's a good one, too. I haven't actually... They're, they're also on my list, but I'm going to have to jump them up a few spaces if, you know, once we nail down the time so as I can, I, I can go in knowing who I'm talking to. Yeah. And uh, after that, you know, even if I get some more bites, I'm definitely going to come back because this was a great conversation. You know, just keep going through this. There are so many different potential topics to talk about. Yeah, there are. Like, it's it's an ever-evolving landscape. And I always like these meta discussions, especially with people that play the game and are also, like, in the industry, quote-unquote, of podcasting and specifically storytelling. Oh, yeah. That's going to be it for us listeners. Thank you very much. Uh, if you are on the Shield Bash feed, please hop over to Dimension Door. If you're not familiar with the Reign of Winter Adventure Path, all the better. If you are, and you know that book five worst kept secret in the industry, then go and listen anyway, because it's still a really fun podcast to listen to. And uh, if you're if you're on the Dimension Door feed, you know, please come on over and check us out, as long as you don't mind quite a bit of... Um, it's hard to say whether it's childish humor or adult humor, because when you're a child, people say only adults should make that joke, but when you're an adult, everybody says they're childish jokes. We're there. You can that, come listen that, to Serpent Skull. You, you described it perfectly. Everyone knows exactly what you're talking about. I guarantee it. Yes. 
All right. I'll see you next time, James. Yeah, I'll see you next time. Shield Bash is made in association with Knights of the Octagon and Farmageddon Gaming Convention. Find us online at shieldbash.net, on Facebook at Shield Bash, on Twitter at Bash Shield, and on YouTube at Shield Bash. Music by Lee Rosevere. Serpent Skull and Pathfinder are the property of Paizo Publishing Incorporated. Leave a comment on iTunes for a chance to hear us read it out on the podcast. Questions and comments can be sent to shieldbashpodcast at gmail.com.